Voxbus. You know, one simple question to ask yourself to distinguish if a certain piece of information that you're keeping hidden consists of privacy or secrecy is this question. If I told the person that I'm keeping this information from knowing the truth, would he or she be angry? Would they be hurt? Or will they feel betrayed? So if the answer is yes, you're most likely keeping a secret. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, Relationships. Let's talk about it. I'm Prebo Toplitsky. I'm a psychotherapist specializing in relationship issues. Everybody's got one. Partners, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors, relationships. Let's talk about it. Welcome, everybody, to this episode, Having Privacy Versus Keeping Secrets. And in this monologue, I explore some of the differences between privacy and secrecy. And I also tell some of my own stories where privacy and secrecy has shown up in my relationships. I also touch upon keeping secrets when it comes to infidelity, which always involves the keeping of sexual romantic secrets. And some of you may know this can be very painful. So before we get to that episode, I want to thank today's sponsor, Gyro Creative. And Gyro Creative is out of Detroit, Michigan, and they are owned and operated by really good friends of mine, Matt and Angela. Gyro is an identity studio. They design identities to be shared and lived based on truth and beauty. And they seek to uncover fundamental truths about who their clients are and what they value. And through that process, they transform them into verbal and visual expressions that incite action, unite community, build culture, and inspire change. And they work with a variety of industries and client sizes, from entrepreneurs and startups to nonprofits, neighborhood developments, consumer products, and global industry leaders. So check them out at gyrocreative.com. And I want to tell you about a feature that I announced on last week's podcast where you can ask a relationship question and I may answer that question on a future podcast. So if you would like to leave a question, you can go to my website, heartsharecounseling.com, click on the podcast page and go to the bottom of the page and click on the button and record your question. You can also check out the show notes and it will have a hyperlink for you to get to that page. And as the Buddhist monk and teacher Thich Nhat Hanh says, a good question doesn't need to be long. If it comes from your heart, it can help a lot of people. And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I do appreciate it. So, having privacy versus secrecy. Let's talk about it. Listen, do da do. Do you want to know a secret? Do da do. Do you promise not to tell? Whoa, closer. Do da do. Let me whisper in your ear. Yeah, as the Beatles say, do you want to know a secret? Of course you do. <laughs> People love hearing secrets. 
But are they good for relationships? That's the question. We're going to be talking about having privacy versus keeping secrets in relationships. And boy, it could be a, a struggle for couples, you know, to determine how transparent and open they want to be in their relationship. And there's a lot of expectation at times. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. That kind of bargaining around stuff like emails and texting and Instagram posts or passwords. It's not anymore about just, you know, I want to see your book collection. Yeah, so that I'll show you mine if you show me yours. I, I don't think that that's a, the most healthiest way to go. I think you got to really sit down and really talk about and negotiate and understand each other's boundaries. People are coming with all kinds of histories around privacy and, and secrecy. I grew up with, uh, my mom was a snooper. I love you, mom, but you snooped. You looked in drawers and people's private stuff. And man, I remember going to the doctor when I was small. And you know, we'd be, I would be in that examining room and my mom was in there with me. And as soon as the door shut and the nurse said, the doctor's going to be with you shortly, which is not shortly. It usually takes some time. And my mom knew that. And she would like look in the drawers, you know, the tongue depressors, that little, the reflex hammer that you hit on the knee. And she copped some like gauze pads and maybe some band-aids. And man, I was embarrassed at times. Like, mom, 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 don't do that. They're going to come any moment. So I had anxiety around that. Yeah, I knew that it wasn't right. And later on in my life, I found out that both of my mom's siblings also snooped. And probably my grandma Ida was a snooper, their mom. So it seems like it was a learned behavior. So I kind of caught on and I, I snooped a little bit too, even into my 20s. You know, I remember at times, maybe I was staying at somebody's place and I kind of just, you know, snooped and opened up a drawer, wanted to see what their world was like. Never took anything or anything. Hey, and I don't do that anymore. So anybody that I'm going to stay at your house, don't worry about it. You know, because I realized later on that, man, karma, I, I, you know, I didn't want karma to come and get me. That cause and effect and living in integrity, that was, that was a big deal to me in my late 20s. So I'm glad that that shifted around. And look, I'm a therapist. I'm a keeper of secrets, right? People come to me to divulge secrets. And then it's also privacy, you know, people not just divulging secrets, but they're telling me intimate details about their thoughts and their lives and their challenges and, and their pain and their shame. Part of all of that is the professional confidentiality where I have to keep all of what is said with the client in that room confidential. And I like that space. I, I like holding that trust and also knowing when I'm working with somebody that they feel that trust in me to be able to share what is private to them as well as what is secret. So let's talk about a little bit of what each one is. A definition of privacy can be the state or condition of being free from being observed, 
or disturbed by other people. It's the state of being free from public exposure and attention. Like, I know my wife grew up in a open bathroom policy in her house growing up. She, there was four kids and living in Denmark, and she told me that the bathroom door was open. People were coming and going while people were doing their thing, and not in my house. My house, the door was closed. The bathroom door was closed. Yeah, so I grew up. I didn't want to be observed or disturbed in the bathroom. But my wife comes in. She comes in the bathroom, <laughs> and that's fine. I've learned to adjust, and I kind of like it, actually, to be that open. So, yeah, everybody's got their own opinion about that open bathroom policy with your partner. And I'm sure it determines at times of how long you're dating. And But, man, my wife and uh, I, we met on the very first day that we met because we were roommates at a workshop. So I remember my wife kept that bathroom door open, and... Yeah, she had a different upbringing around that. So I think it's actually a healthy childhood development to go from attachment to separation, to have room to just be, to play alone, to have your private feelings and thoughts, and to find yourself in your own space. I love doing that. I love knowing that I have private space at times that I'm not going to be disturbed from my natural rhythm of myself, from feeling myself, feeling my thoughts, my feelings. It can be very grounding and can be very empowering. So there was many people that grew up, unfortunately, with their privacy violated and they didn't get a chance to really feel that development, feeling their sense of self in that way. I remember my wife and I made a conscious decision when our son was around 12 years old that, that we were going to knock on his door. He didn't have to request that from us. We decided that we would do that to, to give that respect, to allow him to have his space. And I think all children that are entering into teenage years really need to develop that and so that needs to be respected when a door is closed that's a boundary i mean there's one thing that i do love when i'm doing my work and i got my door closed and on the outside i have an in session sign on i know nobody's coming in sometimes some flighty fedex guy knocks on the door but otherwise nobody comes in they don't even knock they know that it's sacred and it's private in there. So not being observed, not being disturbed, there's a lot of focus that can take place in a space like that. You know, there's many couples that also, at a point in time, that they get lost in the relationship. And one part of that is that they're not uh, feeding a healthy private life. And it looks very different for different people that have different values and needs so something that can work for one couple may not work at all and be a disaster for another. But some examples that it can look like for couples is, you know, they both have their own friends outside the relationship that they see and they go out with and they enjoy and they have their own relationships outside their couple relationships. But the experience and the things that they learn about themselves and maybe the joys and the 
even the challenges that they have with those outside relationships, they can bring that back and share that in their relationships. So that's one way private experience or private life can be shared in a couple's relationship. You know, other examples are couples that one of them goes away for a weekend retreat somewhere while the other one stays home and takes care of the family. Or sometimes people have little private spaces in their house where they meditate or play a instrument or they journal or they write or they do art. Or sometimes people even just want to watch TV by themselves. But I think it's very important for people to foster their own connections outside of the relationship and have their private lives that they feel themselves as an individual of who they are and not just always with the other person or always thinking about the other person, that they have their own sense of self that they're bringing into the relationship. And when two people are doing that and are differentiated in that way, there's a lot that can be experienced from a healthy standpoint. There's less control, there's less aspects of codependency, and it builds and fosters trust. It's a beautiful thing when couples can do their own thing and have their private lives, and the other person trusts them. They trust what they're doing, that they're taking care of themselves, that they're making good decisions, and they're not doing things that can harm the relationship. And of course, you know, one partner may be more disclosing than the other one. You know, we can't expect to hear or share every thought or action or memory of our partner. You know, in a trusting and connecting relationship, we have neither the need to check, you know, each other's mail, like I said, or check emails or or whereabouts, nor the obligation to disclose all. You know, so... It is the mutual sharing that fuels the connection. Mutual dependence, that's a really good word. You know, in a loving relationships, it has room for two independent people, and then they can mutually depend on each other. When there's no privacy, when there's no separate space, you know, the attraction and romance can go down, and then there's no room for imagination and novelty and creativity. And, you know, I really think it is important for couples to have a sacred private life from anyone, including their own families. And I know this is hard to hear. I have friends that are very close to their family, and they tell their family, they say everything. As a matter of fact, they tell their family some things that they don't even say to their own partner. I've had friends that got upset when their partner was talking to their own family, mother and father, about difficulties in the relationship that they were having. And they were disclosing some things of their private life. And that partner really felt, in some way, betrayed that their sacred space was being, in some way, violated. You know, I think it's fine to confide in people at a time, but if we're sharing information about our own like I said, sacred couple's life with other people without the permission of our own partner, that is taking away trust. I was having a conversation with a friend a while ago, and I know this might be hard for some of you to hear, but he was very close with his mother, and he was sharing a lot of things from his own 
relationship with his wife to his mother and was making, in some way, his relationship with his mother more of a priority than with his own wife. And I told him as a friend, I said, man, you got to choose. You got to choose your wife as priority because I think that there is a, a natural development and growth that especially boys have to differentiate from their mothers. And when they find a partner, that that partner becomes an equal confidant, an equal nurturing being in their life. And I do think it's important. It happened in my own life of almost putting that Gandalf staff down, you know, that big boundary, you shall not pass. And let mom know that the relationship with our partners are priority. I just have seen so many couples where that becomes a struggle. They're not making their relationship a priority over family members. Mom, father, sister, brother. And just in the ways that they disclose or keep privacy. So I'm not talking about that you choose who you love more. Not talk about taking away the closeness of your family members. I'm talking about making the priority of privacy of your own committed relationship and keeping that and feeding that sacred space from other people. And that only happens when you have trust and safety and good boundaries. So some of the other things of talking about this, right, is when you have secrecy in a relationship, that takes a lot of that away. You know, one simple question to ask yourself to distinguish if a certain piece of information that you're keeping hidden consists of privacy or secrecy is this question. If I told the person that I'm keeping this information from knowing the truth, would he or she be angry? Would they be hurt? Or will they feel betrayed? So if the answer is yes, you're most likely keeping a secret. So this is where privacy becomes secrecy. It's when there's a purposeful and conscious motivation to keep something hidden, to keep it unknown or away from your partner, unseen from one's partner. And that would be something that would directly impact that person or the relationship. I read an article, Is There Privacy or Secrecy in a Relationship? by Suzanne Phillips, and she writes, secrets can be motivated by betrayal, by shame, fear, or anger, and secrets disqualify intimacy because they prevent authenticity. Psychologically, when a partner is holding a secret, a part of them is not available for connection. That is so true. When a part of you is holding something back, even energetically, you're not available for fostering truth in the relationship and authenticity because authenticity is about being in your truth and in your integrity. And I believe you are not in integrity when you're holding a secret from your relationship. I remember it was a challenge when my wife held a secret earlier on in our relationship. A few years into our marriage, we moved to France at a chateau that a friend of hers bought and wanted my wife to teach uh, a cooking school there, a macrobiotic cooking school. And their relationship before, my wife was a macrobiotic cook for this person. 
while he was a sports photographer. And they would go out and do shoots for a couple weeks while she was cooking him healthy meals, macrobiotic meals. So I knew that part of their relationship. That's what I was told of how she knew him when we moved to that chateau, by the way, that needed millions of dollars of renovation. And that's why I wanted to get out of there um, within a few months. It was not my dream castle. It blew my bubble. My wife says it was still charming. It was still in France. It was charming, she says. But the secret that she was holding that I found out a few weeks in France when we were living at the chateau, that she had sex with this man four years prior to meeting me. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't have moved there if I would have known that, but that being withheld, that took away some trust and safety about what else was going on or what else perhaps she wasn't telling me. And it was also awkward just looking at the guy when their relationship wasn't really talked about in that transparent way in front of me. Now granted, she disclosed that they had sex four or five years before, maybe three years before I met her. But for me, it would have been nice to know. And I kept some secrets from my wife early on in the relationship as I disclosed in the Emotional Infidelity podcast. So if you want to know more of that story, you can go there. But yeah, I withheld some feelings and some information from my wife that hurt her. So early on, we found out that secrecy man did not benefit our relationship at all. I didn't want to block that flow of energy and love between us. And as a matter of fact, a few years after going through those experiences, I had an opportunity to not foster a secret in our relationship. And that was a mutual friend of ours. Uh, At one time, I was talking to her on the phone and she disclosed that she had a sexual dream about me. And she didn't go into details about it. It wasn't overly flirting energy around it, but I was really surprised that she disclosed that. And yeah, part of me felt really flattered and enticed not to act upon it, but maybe to play with the fantasy of it. And I uh-uh, I decided no way. And I shared that with my wife. I shared what she disclosed because I didn't want that coming out in any kind of way, even though I was real clean. I didn't do anything about it. The one thing that I remember being proud of was that I called her back and I told her that I was really uncomfortable with what she said and that I felt that it was inappropriate if she wasn't going to say it in front of Rainbow also, that I didn't want to be put in that position. And I didn't want her to disclose anything to me privately that she wouldn't disclose in front of Rainbow. So I felt really good about that and that did shift our relationship I kind of held back a little bit because I lost some trust that she would do that, put me in that position also. And the one thing disclosing it to Rainbow, my wife, we ended up fostering our trust and our safety with each other and fed that and built on that. I just want to make it clear. I don't tell my wife every time I have an attraction or I see a, 
a hot woman or a hot actress in a movie. She doesn't want to hear that. She wants to know if I would ever have feelings to perhaps act upon it or if somebody else is flirting with me in a way that would be disrespectful to our relationship. So that's just my personal policy around secrets and secrecy because I'm around it every day and I also see how the pain of secrecy, especially around infidelity in marriages, cause so much suffering. And I know defining infidelity can be a subjective undertaking, except that it has one constant component. It always involves the keeping of sexual or romantic secrets. And the reason, of course, that those secrets are kept is fear, right? Fear if the partner found out and what kind of pain that would cause. And as a therapist, I have heard many possible opinions about cheating. I get that. But with the secrecy of it, it creates a lot of suffering and pain. And there are times that the partner that's keeping that secret, they're an illusion. An illusion believing that it will not break down their primary relationship. And in my experience, the reality is that not only do most secret affairs become exposed, that they actually destroy or they rupture the trust, and in many cases, it ends the relationship. But at the very least, you know, they take away the trust. And in many ways, it is a deep life crisis for both partners and their relationship. And couples can heal from that but it is always in the legacy of their relationship. That wound is always there. I hear many partners that have been betrayed from a sexual affair, and they say, I don't know how I can trust my partner again. And in some cases, they're right. Other cases, that trust takes a long time and a lot of deep, deep work on both of their parts to gain back trust. And I think that repair is only possible if the denial of the secrecy is placed with the honesty of openness. And then again, through that process, it can be very painful. Earlier when I talked about privacy of checking your partner's text and emails and so forth on their phone, when sexual infidelity happens, that can be a messy process. You know, some partners want to gain back trust, so they want to check their partners. Again, emails and their phones anytime. And then they're always on heightened anxiety when the phone goes off and when their partner is in the other room talking by themselves. Are they betraying them? People that never would snoop start to snoop. And they don't want to do that. The betrayal has just caused that much pain for them to have to do that. So some people ask me, do I advocate that? I tell them that that's something that they really need to talk about deeply and really negotiate and really understand openness and trust. And you know, an option for the betrayed partner is to actually take a leap of faith and trusting to give the relationship a chance. And that can be a time that life may just call for us to emotionally stretch like we never have before. 
the betrayed person has to open up to trust one day to fully be able to be in that energy. But sometimes in the process to create that trust or that safety, some of those disclosures may have to be done. And it's not a fun way to live. And then again, there's the partner that insists on knowing everything and hearing everything when there's been no betrayal. And they become pushy and overbearing because of their anxiety and their projected jealousy. And if there's nothing there, that really can push the other person to go into secrecy because of the overbearingness and the invasion of privacy and therefore the invasion of the relationship and their fidelity. So that intrusive partner actually created what they fear. They created the secrecy. And that kind of acting out will never bring true connection and authenticity to a relationship. And keeping secrets is not healthy for us. And of course, our relationship, I think that's a given, but especially us. When people hold a secret, it wreaks havoc in their body. There are many people who have told me when they finally have told that secret, how relieved that they feel that it's finally in the open, the tightness in their chest, always looking over their shoulder that they're going to get caught, the feeling of potential humiliation and shame, the big hurt, the anger that they're anticipating. And yes, in reality, it could be very intense, but it's better than holding on to it. And again, those secrets come in all shapes with couples. It's not just sexual infidelity. It could be financial infidelity. Keeping secrets about owing money, lending money, running up credit cards secretly, having a hidden bank account. Those secrets wreak havoc on relationships too. So I hope that you really get that and recognize that it could be very healthy to have space between you and your partner in many aspects of your life. So privacy can be very beneficial in your relationship. And trusting one another to be in the relationship and to show up with truth and honesty can be one of the greatest risks that you take in a relationship. But it can be extraordinary rewarding. So I hope you enjoyed this little exploration on privacy and secrecy. You got some things to think about, huh? Okay, and when you do that, remember to be kind to yourselves. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is a production of HeartShare Counseling and Consulting PC of Asheville, North Carolina. For more on licensed counselor Prepo Teplitsky, visit heartsharecounseling.com. Theme music by Adi the Monk. This content is intended for informational purposes only, is not a substitute for professional counseling and psychotherapy, medical advice, diagnosis or treatment, and does not constitute medical or other professional advice. Relationships, Let's Talk About It is produced by Oxbus. You can create your own professional podcast today, faster and easier. Try it for free at oxbus.com. That's A-U-X-B-U-S dot com. Oxbus. Thank you.